Well, we are in our second or third, rather, lesson of the Seeds series, and today we're going to kind of close it out. And, um, and y'all have so many kids that it took longer than it was expected. Stop bringing your kids to church. I mean, you really. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Bring them. Bring all of them. All 400 if you want, or however many I gave you. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. And so we're going to close this out, and we have a big idea today, and then we only have one thought. We usually have three thoughts. So for all of you that are just concerned that the printer stopped working, it didn't. It's good. We just have one thought today, but it is a humdinger. I'm telling you, it's a humdinger. That's a good southern word. You need to write that in your margins just in case you didn't know it. Well, we've been talking about seeds and, and what it means for a seed to grow into or develop into something bigger. In fact, we know that every big thing starts small. There's nothing big in this world that did not begin small. In fact, I showed you a mustard seed that was very small. And then I showed you a picture of it where the gazelle were around it. And it's a great, big, beautiful tree. And, 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 and it's a small thing that, that ended up growing into an incredibly large thing. And then last week we talked about the fact that you and I, we were created to produce a harvest. That a harvest is going to come from our lives. Whether it's a planned or an unplanned harvest, something is going to come forth from our, our world and our lives. And so I told you last week and we saw from Scripture that we have the opportunity to affect the harvest. We can choose which crop is coming from our lives. We can be intentional about the seed. And our text for this series has come from Mark chapter number 4, where we've been reading about Jesus, that he's trying to describe this really big, big idea. In fact, Mark 4, 30 and 32, and if you are a note taker, there's an opportunity in the service guide for you to take some notes, and I encourage you to do so. It really does help throughout life to be able to go back to those notes you take. It helps us to remember things. So Mark chapter 4, verses 32 through 32, Jesus said this, He said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? This is a big, big idea. The kingdom of God is is massive. I mean, it's from time past to time future. In fact, it's, it's completely outside of time. It's so big. So how do I describe the kingdom of God? And he says, oh yeah, I know. What story can I tell? It's like a mustard seed. Planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches. And birds can make nests in its shade. And so as Jesus is is talking about this, he's saying, listen, I'm going to be intentional about talking about something very small that grows into something very large. But I'm also going to be intentional about talking about something that initially brings no value to the world around it, but then eventually gives great value to the world around it. The seed, whenever it begins, it doesn't bring much value. It goes into the ground and then it begins to suck up resources, which is why it's a great analogy for our children. <laughs> it just sucks up resources. I'm waiting for that part to stop, it hasn't yet. Now, if you're a student, we we love giving you the resources because we have a hope that one day 
It's not going to just be a draw from the ground like the seed does as it sucks in the nutrients from the ground. And it's not going to just be a draw from the air like from the sun, the plant sucking up the resources and nutrients from the sun. But eventually that that plant grows into this big, beautiful tree that begins to bless the world around it. And we believe that you were created in such a way as that you will bless the world around you. You will bless Sylvania. You will bless the Toledo metro area. We believe that you have the capacity to bless the world. In fact, you were created to bless. But many question their ability to make a difference. You might be a student here today and you're saying, well, I don't know if I'm ever really going to make a difference. I don't know if I have what it takes to ultimately make a difference in the world. I want to make a difference. I dream about making a difference. I dream about doing important and big things in life, but but I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get there. And if you're a parent or a teacher or a guardian here today, you might be saying, well, I don't know if what I'm doing right now is making a difference. I'm, I'm talking to these, to these children. I'm trying to share wisdom with them. I'm trying to bring knowledge to them, but I don't know if they're getting it. And I don't know if they're sleeping. I don't know if they're not sleeping. I don't know if they even care. Is what I'm doing right now making a difference? And the big idea this morning is this. You have everything you need to make a difference. You have everything you need to make a difference. Every single person here today and any who will ever hear, all who are created, you have everything you need to make a difference in the world around you. And this isn't just a good idea that Micah Sutton came up with. This is the promise from the Word of God. Let me show you that promise in Scripture. In 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter is writing. And this is his second letter that's contained in Scripture. To, this is why it's called 2 Peter, because it's not his first letter that's contained in the Bible. And so 2 Peter is there and, and Paul's writing it and the content of 2 Peter kind of clues us into the fact that he knows the end is coming. He knows that soon he's going to die. And so as he's writing, he begins to say some pretty powerful things. Today happens to be my grandfather, Paul's birthday. And y'all know what I think about Paul. And I think about some of the things that he said, but some of the things that are stuck in my memory and will never leave are the things that he said the closer he got to, to death. Because people start saying important things when they think it's going to be some of the last things that they tell you. And so Paul is writing here and he, he's saying some important things and he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he's trying to impart these last big ideas, if you will, to the church. And he says, I want you to know that your knowledge of Jesus Christ, that can, that can multiply your grace and peace. It should multiply your grace and peace. The more you learn about Jesus, the more grace and peace you should walk in. The more you learn about Jesus, the more grace and peace you should live in. That should be multiplied in your life. But then he says, and by the way, you have everything that you need to succeed. 
Everything you need for life and godliness. Now, now I, I am, I'm using the New King James translation of the scripture here, New King James Version, and I'm doing it on purpose. I often use the New Living Translation. Uh, I enjoy reading it. I enjoy teaching out of it. But the reason I'm using the New King James here is because it does something unique. It says, uh, pertain to life and godliness. And if you see there, it says, and in between life and godliness. Now, some versions... They take life and godliness and they they merge them together to say, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And that's not necessarily incorrect, but it's not the best translation in my opinion. I like the the translation here in the New King James because it separates life and godliness. And the, the word and there is the Greek word chi, and it means literally and, or, even, et cetera. And so it's saying here that there are two Two different thoughts that are being given at the same time. That God's given you everything you need for life and godliness. And the reason why I I like it is because I believe separating the two indicates to you and I that God has given us everything we need for life, natural living here on earth. We can be successful living here naturally on earth. There there are uh, a lot of people in the world that do not believe in Christ. They are not Christians and so on and so forth. And yet they still do very well in life. They still have a good life. Because innately when God created you and when God created me, he gave us everything we needed to be successful in life. Adam and Eve still lived a full life even after they fell and walked away from God. You, you, You still see people in the world today who are doing extremely well In life, though they are not believers. But then he says, and godliness. And so when you and I make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we have a new birth, as it were. We we have a second birth, as it were. And now all of a sudden, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we have been made alive with Christ. And suddenly, that which was in us, we were always able to be successful in life in general, but now we're able to be successful in life and in godliness. Or a life that God would be pleased with. So as we look at our lives in Christ, we have everything that we need to have a successful life. You have it. And that leads us to thought number one. Thought number one is this, the difference is in the seed. The difference is in the seed. See, the unique thing about seeds is the potential that they carry. They are packed with potential, but none of that potential is realized yet. That potential holds. That little seed holds everything that mustard seed will ever become. The great sequoia trees. Little tiny seed holds everything that the great sequoia will ever become. Now it has to suck up nutrients from the ground and has to receive nutrients from the sun and the rain and so on and so forth. But, but everything that's needed is actually in that seed. So that the difference in the world, everything necessary for a difference in the world is held within that little bitty seed. In fact, 1 Corinthians is kind of unique to me and I, I, enjoy, I enjoy this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 3 Six, six and seven say this. Paul is writing, the great apostle Paul. He writes over two-thirds of the New Testament. And he says, I planted the seed in your hearts. And Apollos, he watered it. But it was God who made it grow. 
It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Now, in this particular passage of Scripture, put, put verse 6 back up there, please. Oh, it's all up there. Never mind. When, when Paul's writing this, he, there's four players in this passage. Four. The first is Paul. Paul planted the seed. But if Paul planted the seed, then somebody had to receive the seed. So I'd say the second player in this passage is the reader. The one into whose life the seed has been planted. Third is Apollos, who who watered the seed. And ultimately God, who develops the seed. And in this particular particular concept or context, you have one who's willingly pouring out the seed. But if the seed is unreceived, then the seed does no good. Somebody can willingly pour out the seed and the seed can be received, but if no water comes to the seed, then it's no good. A seed can be planted, a seed can be received, and a seed can be watered, but if God does not give the increase, then the seed is no good. But what is interesting even further to me is that in every aspect, even God is defined and described by role in relationship to the seed. Last week I showed you something very similar in Scripture, but in this passage it's, it's even including God in the concept of relationship to the seed where he's saying the focus in this situation is always the seed because the seed has what it takes to make the difference. So my encouragement to you today, if you're, if you're a student, if you're, if you're a teacher, if you're an administrator, if, if you're one who is sowing seed or you're one who's receiving the seed, stop trying to be the difference Instead, receive the seed and be intentional with the seed. The seed is going to make the difference. Staff, parents, teachers, intentionally sow the seed. Sow seed of wisdom and knowledge into the lives of the students that you're with, into your families, into the world around you. Sow this this seed that God has placed within you. You, you've got it. In fact, my, my, kids, my kids know that I am so packed with seed that they have theme music for me. And when I get ready to begin delivering a lesson, wisdom, just wisdom, pouring out of me. In some moments, when they feel like my temperature is right. They'll hit on their phone their theme music for me. And it will begin, they call it my theme music or my speech music. It does the same thing here. As soon as the music starts, that means I wrap up. But what am I doing? I'm taking opportunities to sow seed. I, I want them to know that, that whenever an opportunity comes up, I'm going to try to pour wisdom into their life. And I don't care, I don't care what they think about it, really. They're going to get it. Because I'm praying one day, they're going to be a blessing to the world around them. And it's not going to be just random stuff that makes the big difference. It's going to be the intentional seed that's planted that's going to make the difference in their life. One day, they're going to tell their kids, you know what your grandfather used to tell me? And I'm going to be delighted to hear it. 
Because it's seed being intentionally planted. So give them the knowledge and wisdom you have to offer. You're sowing into the next generation of leaders and, and developers. And that's who, you're, that's who you're sowing into. Then intentionally the water the seed. The seed needs water. So water is that love and that care that, that you, you give to them and, and you, you pour into their life. Don't just be critical and don't just, don't just plant hard seeds into their world. Water the seed. Tell them how awesome they are. Encourage them. Show love in their life. Allow them to see that you care. In fact, the old saying is they don't, know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When they know how much you care, they're willing to hear what you have to say. It opens up their heart. It opens up their life so that you can, so that you can put good seed into their world. So plant the seed, but then, then water that seed. Maybe, maybe it's if you're, you're two-parent household, maybe, maybe one of you is really good at planting. And maybe one of you is better at watering. As long as the hole is being planted and watered, it's going to be good and God will give the increase. If you're a student here today, at any level, be a receiver of seed. I consider myself still a student. I'm a student because I'm ever learning. I always want to be learning. And I don't want to be a receiver of seed whenever, when people pour into my life. I want to be there to receive it. I want to, I want to be there to nurture it. I want to cover it up in my life and I want to take it in. I want to receive it with joy and with happiness. I, I don't want to be one who receives it with, with hardness and frustration and anger. Don't adopt a negative attitude towards seed being planted into your life. In fact, the world and the church need you to receive the seed that generations before you have to offer. We need you to get it. We need you to let it grow. But, but some people prefer the watering over the seed planting. They're like, just, just, just tell me how much you love me. Don't tell me to balance my checkbook. Just tell me how much I love, you love me. Don't tell me two plus two is four. Just water the seed. Just water me. Just water me. Because here, everybody likes to be watered. There's very few things in the world that are better than a really hot shower at the end of a long day. Water's good. People like being watered. Just tell me how much you love me. It's a beautiful feeling. But the seed takes work. And responsibility. Water by itself will not develop your life. Receiving the seed does. That's what makes the difference. Ultimately, all of us must trust God to develop the seed. We all have to trust Him. Both the one that is sowing and the one that is reaping. Some of you teachers, you're, you're teaching your class and you're saying, you know what, I'm saying all the right things and I do not think that any of them are getting it and more importantly, none of them care. Just sow the seed. The seed makes a difference. The seed makes a difference. Let the process work. We've been talking about the seed and, and the fact of the matter is that when the farmer sows the seed, he doesn't stand there and wait for a crop to grow. The farmer sows the seed and then he knows it's going to take time for the process to work. And as the process works, eventually the harvest will come. 
in your life today. Let the process work. It might take a minute. But eventually you're going to have a harvest in your life. I believe it's going to be a great year. A, great, a year where differences are made. I believe it's going to be an awesome year in schools and in classrooms. I believe it's going to be an awesome year in lives and in homes and in families and our community. Because of seed that's going to be planted. The fruit of the seed naturally makes a difference. And that's because what you know you can't unknow. I know some stuff. Look, here, here, here we go. Ready? One plus one equals? See, this is a smarter group than the last one that was in here. It's just one of those things that once you know it, you can't unknow it. It's there. You can't say, no, I don't know that anymore. You can ignore it, but you can't unknow it. And that's what makes me so passionate about Jesus. It's because I know something about Jesus and I just can't unknow it. Here's some things I know about Jesus. I know that he saved me when I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve his salvation, but he gave it to me anyway. I know he forgave me when I didn't earn it. I couldn't. And yet he gave it to me. I know he protected me when I didn't even know he was there. It's something I know about Jesus. I know he taught me when I couldn't understand it. Suddenly, revelation and understanding came and it shouldn't have. I know he provided for me when I could not gain it in my life. That's something I know about Jesus. I know he purified me when I couldn't live it. He said his blood made me pure. When I wasn't worthy of being pure, I wasn't pure. He's been better to me than I ever, ever deserved. And it all began with a seed. The seed of relationship was planted in my life many years ago. And I can't even remember when it first happened. But at some point, my dad, who was a pastor at that time, would be up there preaching. And he would say, you need to know Jesus because he loves you more than you even know. You, you, you need Jesus to be your Savior because He's done stuff for you that you cannot comprehend. But at some point, the seed of the gospel began to take root in my life. And, and I looked at God, I looked to God, and I said, I, don't, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. And so in that moment, I reached for Him, and to my absolute surprise, His hand was already there reaching for me. And so I took him by the hand. I said, I need you to be my Lord. I need you to be my God. And I want you to be my Savior. And, and he said, okay. So, a seed began to grow. And I've had the privilege over the last several years now to be able to pre preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people all over this world. And I, and I get to do it. I get to be a blessing because a seed was already placed in my life. And that seed is right here. That seed is ready for you right now. If you're in the house and you've never allowed Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, 
then I encourage you. I'm planting a seed in your life right now. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It does matter where you're going and who you're following to get there. And Jesus is saying, here's my hand. Here's my hand. Let let me be your savior. You're trying to be the difference. No, you can't be the difference. Let the seed be the difference in your life. The seed of the gospel. And so I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads with me right now. The best way you can possibly enter this school year is by making your relationship with Jesus Christ strong. With all the pressures that are there, with all the threats that our world sees today, nobody can keep you safe, strong, and secure like Jesus can. And so if you're in the house and you've never made him your Lord and Savior, or it's been a long time, and it's time for you to recommit your life to him, then I want to lead you in a quick prayer. This is just a prayer that says, I'm reaching for you, Jesus. I'm reaching for you. And so I'm going to ask you if you would pray with me, because at McCord, we don't like anybody to have to pray alone. So let's us all together, let's just pray together. We're going to pray a repentance. We're going to pray repentance and we're going to pray acceptance and we're going to pray a great big thank you. So together let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry for my sins. Anything I've ever done that has displeased you, I repent for it right now. I turn away from it. But I can't do it on my own. I need you. And so today, Jesus, I believe that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again. I believe you did that for me. And I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. From this day forward, I am your child, and you are my God. And I say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to live a life greater than I could live on my own. In Jesus' name, amen.